This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tempdevai. I'm joined by Alex Holberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We're almost 24 hours removed from the release of the NBA schedule, a new event on the calendar, I guess. And to break it all down, we bring in a friend of the podcast, Max Letterman, associate producer at NBC Sports Boston. Max, how are you? Doing great. I'm excited. Starting to, starting to get bored without basketball. Yeah, it was a fun day on Twitter for the schedule, but it occurred to me that I didn't really care. Um, but we're going to talk about it for the next half hour or so, so hopefully the people listening care. Um, Alex, Justin, how are you? Chilling here in Brighton, Massachusetts. Yeah, Alex buried the lead. Our men's team um, just punched our ticket to the postseason. So That is true, yes. Uh, we are actually the most important week of the year. All right, anyways, um, we are, as we are wont to do, we're going to go around the horn with the news. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we're going to talk about the schedule some major dates, some built-in advantages or disadvantages for the Celtics and all of that good stuff. Before we begin, just because we were talking about it off air, if you are not subscribed to this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. It makes such a big difference to us. Um, and yeah, we'll go, we'll go from there. Anyways, Max, uh, just off the cuff, your 30-second take on the Kevin Durant saga. Uh, just, you know... I want it to go away. It's all for <laughs> player empowerment, but it's a little outrageous. You know, second year in a row, somebody with four years left on their contract is is demanding a trade. Uh, it's not good for the league. It's good for the summer. It keeps, you know, talking points. But, I mean, Kevin Durant's a great player. But, I mean, how many, you know, like, think about the collateral damage, like a Jalen Brown and, you know, if leaks are coming from the Nets or not, you know, saying that the Celtics offered Jalen, it's just like, man, that sucks. That sucks uh, because the Celtics were two wins away from a championship uh, and then got better. And now, you know, one of their, you know, franchise cornerstones, uh, you know, is, is thrown into the news like this. And that's just, it just doesn't seem fair. And it, it seems a little selfish for Durant. It's like, what, if a player is like, as much as I dislike Kyrie, like when he wanted out of Cleveland, at least it was like a place he didn't have a choice to go to. He was drafted there. Um, Durant chose two different times where to go. And this is his choice. He chose to team up with Kyrie. He had demands that they met. Uh, they paid him for a full year knowing that he wasn't going to play when he was rehabbing his Achilles. And now after two seasons of playing basketball, when just a little bit of adversity hits, uh, you know, it was a weird season for everyone. Uh, you have a weird teammate who didn't want to get vaccinated. Then you traded for another teammate who doesn't want to play basketball. I mean, who knows what would happen with a full summer and they were all in it together and they could kind of rally and just put last year behind them. Nope. I want out now. It's like, what are you doing? I'm annoyed and I want <laughs> to go away. Uh, and yep, that's my take. Wow. That was better than I could have ever imagined. I loved that. Uh, so we have to keep talking about the Durant thing because more reporting keeps coming out, but that was pretty succinct. Um, the latest round of reporting um, comes from our friend Adam Himmelsbeck of the Boston Globe, and he suggested that chatter between the Nets uh, and the Celtics never really got serious, uh, never more than like a cursory bit of talking, um, and that there's nothing recent, certainly. So um, I, I, we've talked about this a bunch, but we think that all of this leaking and reporting and hinting it's coming from Brooklyn or Durant. I'm really not from Boston. Um, so Max, do you think the Celtics are tangentially interested still, or it, it really was more than nothing more than a phone call or two? Yeah. I think that when, you know, arguably the best scorer or one of the like top three scorers in NBA history, who's still, you know, basically at his peak of power um, is available. You give him a call. 
you know, you, you, you have to do your due diligence. And, you know, at the end of the day, in a vacuum, you trade Jalen for Durant. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty straightforward. The Nets aren't going to take just Jalen. Uh, they're going to want more. And you're going to – then it becomes uh, – what are we even doing? Like I just said, it's like they were two wins away from a championship. And they were – you know, imagine if they started the season as good as they finished the season. They, you know, they would have been like 65-plus wins. I mean, it's – they're a really good team, and they've already gotten better. And I think what we saw in the playoffs is that they just needed more. They needed a little bit more. They needed a little bit more depth. They needed a few more options, and they went and they got that. And if you're going to trade that away now um, to get Durant and shorten your window, you know, it it doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. It also doesn't seem smart to not call and just to check in because they do have a player like Jalen Brown who like 29 other teams would want on their squad um, who – is their secondary player. You know, they have to have Tatum and Jalen. That's kind of what the whole point is, is that, you know, if a situation like this comes up, you can trade one. But like there was so much, uh, I've talked to a lot of Celtics fans that were, you know, they loved the 08 squad, uh, obviously, but they said that this past year was better because of the homegrown factor. We've Mm -hmm. watched these kids since they were teenagers. We've watched them grow and, you know, at times felt, man, are we sure that this kid's really as good as everyone says? And then be like, oh my God, they're way better than everyone said. And it's been fun and it would rob us a little bit of that homegrown element if they went and they just, you know, cashed in all these chips for two years of Durant. And who knows if that would even last, you know, he's you know going to be 34. He's, you know, he's skinny as anything uh, <laughs> i do believe he'll age hey, well no. game just there's some it. skinny basketball players on this podcast let's let's just be a little cautious well hey, no, no. <laughs> i'm just saying he's got an injury history too um so it's not like he's lebron where lebron seems like not a human being i mean durant will get hurt occasionally and he's missed time every year so it's not like you're, you know, and Jalen is like basically the opposite. He's, you know, he, he missed two playoffs ago because of that freak wrist injury, but he's, you know, he's pretty, pretty consistently there. He's a specimen. He's almost 10 years younger than him. He's mm-hmm. definitely not as good, but I just, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I don't think they would do it unless it was like a straight up deal and, you know, something thrown in for salary, but I don't think the Nets would do that. I don't think it's worth it. And to that end, I mean, Brian Windhorst recently said that um, the Nets, I think, are kind of playing a game here where they're only putting out the largest, most intense packages in terms of like what these kind of leaks coming from the Brooklyn side presumably are intentionally that basically the Nets front office at least would prefer to try and mend fences with Kevin Durant and run things back ultimately, which I mean, if you think about the moves that they've made this offseason, picking up TJ Warren, trading a first round pick for Royce O'Neal, you know, these are not moves that you make if you're trying to tear down and do a quick rebuild around a young all-star player like a Jalen Brown or something like that you know, thinking about kind of the moves that they're making and the there's now more chatter that they're now not even interested in uh, the rumored pick deal with the Lakers where they would send Kyrie Irving to the Lakers for two first round picks. If cold water is being poured on that, and if you look at the Nets' other moves, it, you kind of get the sense, at least I get the sense, and maybe I'm wrong on this, we'll see, but I get the sense that Brooklyn's front office, they're hope is that ultimately Durant will come around and wind up back in a Brooklyn Nets uniform to start the season. Yeah, I, Alex, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, historically, we've seen superstars agitate and then uh, cool their jets. But we've also seen Kevin Durant be, at times, the most unhappy person in the NBA. Max, you talked about um, building a team from scratch and injury reliability. So let's um, let's head down to Philly, where the team was not built from scratch and uh, injury woes reign supreme. What do you think might be the connection between Durant and the Sixers? And as someone who sometimes wears that Sixers hat, how do you feel about it? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, one of my uh, fellow producers, Robbie Buckets, uh, is also a Sixers fan uh, up at NBC Boston. And he um, 
he made a really good point. He's like, they can't, the Sixers can't trade for Durant because the Nets can't just be the Sixers from two years ago. <laughs> then they would be like, it would be Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, you know, assuming Tobias Harris, you know, all these, uh, you know, Ben Simmons. It would be basically the Sixers from two years ago or what the Sixers were supposed to be last year. Uh, and so that's ridiculous. But, you know, Look, it, it seems way more likely that Philly would do something like that. As much as they love Tyrese Maxey, as much as I love Tyrese Maxey, my son, um, <laughs> it would, I mean, that, this is a team that has a much shorter window in theory because they have an older Harden. They just signed, you know, a guy who's my age to a three-year deal in P.J. Tucker. And then they, uh, you know, they have Embiid who's, you know, still in, just entering his prime, but he's, a big who's had uh, injuries in the past. So you just never know. Uh, and Daryl Morey has never been the kind of GM that's like, let me just build for the future. He's yeah. always been a win now guy. And he's always figured out ways to make trades that help the team this year. It looks like he's sacrificing the future and you can sort of figure it out um, along the way, you know, later down the line on how to, you know, kind of get back some of the assets that he sent out. So it would make more sense for Philly to be in on it. But like I said, I don't, the Nets want a lot more. I, I just, to me, it would be the best move the Nets can do is just say, cool, thanks for letting us know your feelings, guy who we gave a guaranteed four, you know, four-year extension to, who's making millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Come show up or you won't get paid. Like that yeah. would, to me, I hope that's what happens. And I also think that's probably the most likely because they have no leverage at all with other teams and they have all the leverage with him. So it's if he wants to hold out and get fined, look, he's got certainly got enough money for it. But again, it's at some point, you know, the league, you know, with the CBA negotiations, they're going to have to put something into the next CBA that that makes like you 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 have to have one deal left before you can demand or one year left before you can make yeah. a trade. like that's or make a trade uh, demand, something like that. It's pretty crazy. I think strategically to waiting until the season has expired and or this expired started and there's the lack of ability, lack of roster spots for for Durant to be traded to a team for like the kitchen sink package. If he wants to go to a team and actually have it still be a good team and not just end up on like the Oklahoma City Thunder or something, then I think that that would actually be better for him to wait. So that way there's only like one or two players that are coming back that actually is possible to do in the middle of the regular season. Yeah, it's interesting. The Ben Simmons case also both in both directions is kind of a cautionary tale. I mean, I don't offhand, I don't know how much of his salary he recuperated, but he gave up something to hold out. Um, but also the Sixers did kind of like openly slander him. And I'm sure that that uh, factored into all of that um, brass tacks. For Durant, Justin, to your point, like holding out might limit his options to go where he wants to go. But then if the Nets look at the Ben Simmons situation, they ultimately got James Harden. Like I'm sure the Sixers feel like th- that that worked out well for them. Um, so why would the Nets rush into an offer or lack thereof that, that they don't really see the vision on? So um, I don't know. I, I keep going to the trade and we'll keep it moving. I keep going to the trade machine thinking like, Oh, I'll crack this. Like I'll, I'll get the, that nice four teamer with Donovan Mitchell ending up on the Knicks and like, this will happen. But um, at the end of the day, finding a slot for a Kevin Durant with all that baggage and all that salary, like really just isn't that easy. So um, really quickly, uh, just the, the difference too, with the Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons came out, you know, relatively early into his holdout and said it was about mental health and that changed everything that that's how he was able to recoup the money, you know, or whatever kind of money he did recoup. Um, So Durant has not said that. And if he does, I don't think anyone would believe him at this point. I mean, Ben Simmons, it felt at the time when he first said it, like, Oh, of course he's going to, this is so gross, but you can't accuse him of lying. You absolutely can't. And like, there's certainly something going on with him. And we've seen that when he was playing basketball with the Sixers, there are some issues with him. So that was a much easier thing to, to kind of understand, like, all right, it does really sort of make sense that he needs a fresh start demanding the trade and hurting his trade value probably wasn't the smart thing to do. But at the end of the day, maybe it really just all was about mental health. 
Durant just kind of wants to leave. Mm -hmm. So this is different. I don't think he would be getting money back. They would just take his money and say, look, you just, you have to, like you signed a contract. There's no, there's no issue. It's not like you're getting scorched by the team. The team has done nothing but say nice things about you. Um, even Kyrie hasn't been named, you know, called out by name by that team. So yeah. uh, it's a different scenario. So I, I do think he would, he would have a lot harder time getting his money back. Yeah. I, I don't know what KD owes the fans or the media or whatever, but choosing to just kind of um, snip and snipe at people on Twitter as your main source of getting your side of the story out, just doesn't seem particularly effective. Um, all right. So we're going to keep coming back to this almost every week because people keep floating the Celtics as destinations for Kevin Durant. And who knows, maybe one day he will just get traded to the Celtics outright. But until then, let's um, hit pause on that. We got a little bit more in the way of news and then we'll talk about the schedule. But first I want to pause the action and talk about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, events with first market odds and lines. You can find reviews of news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And uh, Max, I don't know if you just heard that, but feel free to tell the people at NBC Sports that um, no one does ad reads better than old Cameron. Anyways, uh, I guess we got to talk about Kyrie for 30 seconds. I got to cut everyone off after 30 seconds, but Max, uh, if, if you were a betting man, uh, and I don't know if you are, where is Kyrie playing next season at the start of the season and after the trade deadline? Oh, man, I, <laughs> I would say if I was going to bet, it probably feels like it's got to be, it's maybe a 50-50 with the, the Lakers or the Nets because it it almost seems like, look, the Lakers have to trade more than just Westbrook, you know, to get mm -hmm. Kyrie because as much as of a headache as Kyrie is, he's, you know, a substantially better player and a better fit with the Lakers than Westbrook is. I mean, West, Westbrook's pretty much cooked. Unless yeah. he's on a team where he's the alpha, you know, heliocentric, running everything, he can't be a complimentary player. He's just... He's not wired. And I look, I witnessed it with Iverson. That was, you know, his downfall was that he just never changed. He never changed his game. I always dreamed that, all right, when he loses a step or whatever, he'll just, just slide over to the one and play point guard and just set people up. <laughs> I was a fool. I was a, a child at the time. Um, but, you know, Westbrook has never evolved his game. He still wants to play the same way. And the, the, the game has moved on from that. And he's just, he's just not a role player. He can't not be the number one guy. So, for the Nets to trade Kyrie just to like get rid of him for Westbrook, they're going to need more back. So, and I don't know who else would want Kyrie. So that's why I would say it's either the Lakers or the Nets. I'd say it's probably the Nets um, mm -hmm. unless the Lakers really get, um, get desperate and, and add those first round picks because, you know, and then if the, if, then I think the KD deal becomes a little bit more of a reality because then you're just like, all right, I don't know what that Westbrook and Kevin Durant's relationship is now, but I do think that that signals that they're not serious about winning this year. And they, they might not be. I mean, it depends. And they don't have that much draft capital. So that they're saying no thanks to two first round picks really tells you, Alex, to your point where perhaps the front office thinks they're at, whether or not they're right about it. I, for what it's worth, I think Kyrie Irving is a Brooklyn Net for the entirety of this upcoming season and that it is his last season as a Brooklyn Net. Cool. Pen I don't really have any exciting podcasting answer because I really think that he's going to be stuck with the Nets for the entirety of next season also, but I'll just go crazy and say the Chicago Bulls just for the heck of it. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I see your Chicago Bulls and I raise you the Miami Heat, but Ooh. that's another trade machine puzzle that I haven't solved. Okay. Anyways, this being the Celtics lab podcast, we can finally stop talking about the goddamn Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> and, um, we have a little bit in the way of news before we do talk about that schedule. Um, what Grosbeck said in an interview with WBZ and um, uh, 
who was he interviewing? Connor Rush, I believe. Connor Rush, thank you. Um, that the team is great. He thinks that they're true, true contenders, that they're really strongly set up to succeed. And I don't, I don't think anyone would disagree that that wasn't posturing. I think that was a really honest answer. Um, Max, is there anything from ownership or the front office that leads you to believe that uh, the powerful players in Boston aren't content or should we just take them at their word? No, I would take them at their word. I just think um, if, if they thought that there was, you know, some issue brewing with Jalen, um, you know, I would, I would, I wouldn't look what Brad has shown in his short time as uh, GM or as president is that he does not leak. They, that yeah. nobody Brogdon was shocking. I, I was driving up to New Hampshire. I had to pull over and let my wife drive so I could be on Twitter for that. It was, <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Um, so I do think that, you know, this, the stuff that the Celtics are going to do, we probably won't have a great idea of it. They're not going to leak it. Um, I, you know, I think the owners are probably just going to be positive going into a season, no matter what. Um, but I also believe them because that's how I feel. And I think that's how all you feel. I think that they were, you know, two wins away from winning a championship and then they got better. So, you know, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't feel that, uh, you know, feel great about the team. You know, I could see, you know, they're the, the only real questions I would have is just like the gelling of, you know, Brogdon, you know, accepting a, you know, a bench role and that kind of deal. And just, you know, how does Marcus feel with having another point guard come in? But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, Marcus has, you know, everyone worries about how Marcus is going to react to things and he's never not just done what he's supposed to do. I feel like he gets, he, you know, he was the next point guard. He was anointed, you know, they traded Rondo and put him right into the starting lineup. And then Isaiah came and Marcus went to the bench. So, you know, and I never heard a chirp from him. Maybe I missed it, but, you know, it seems like he's always kind of just done what the team needs him to do. And we, I think some people just project things onto him that aren't really there. So I think the team's going to be good. I think Ime has a real good handle of how to, how to, you know, if, well, no, if there's problems in the locker room, I just feel like Ime will just curse somebody out in a press conference uh, because that's kind of his style. Mm -hmm. And uh, that'll be, then we'll know. So I'm with the, I'm with Wick. I'm, I'm happy. I think they're they're going to be really good this year. Yeah, I mean, the, to your point, they did come within two wins of winning a title. It's not this is a pretty good place to be in the NBA. All right, Justin, I actually I missed this one entirely, but reading our notes, it makes me laugh. Can you fill us in on this Mark Murphy article about um, Jason Tatum's workout routine? Well, not too much to take from it. The the predictable, uh, you know trying to get ready for the next season fair. But the one key thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that he and Hanlon, Jason Tatum and Hanlon uh, both agreed that the, the big muscles that he put on at the start of last season may have actually been a problem. So that's the running theory, at least in those circles as to why he had such a slow start last season. So I hope that they're right. And we don't have to slog through, you know, the first two or three months of the season again with him having a slow start. Cause that, that seems to be a Jason Tatum thing. That's hilarious. Um, All right. You heard it here first. It's not safe to go to the gym. Just sit your ass at home. Okay. uh, Last bit of news. And it's a segue to talk about the schedule. Boston is going to honor Bill Russell this upcoming season as well. They might two tribute games. The first, the season opener on the 18th against the Sixers, where they're going to unveil a special edition, a city edition Jersey that they actually were collaborating with Bill Russell before he passed. Um, I'm sure someone that we know, has seen it before, but uh, I bet we won't. It's, Max, you're right that the team is really buttoned up. I bet we won't see it until right before it, it drops. And um, really, I have no guess what it could be, but it's pretty special. And then later in March against, I think I have that right, against the Grizzlies, um, or is it February? What's Bill Russell's birthday? February? Whatever Bill Russell's February, February, February 12th. Thank you, thank you. Um, Bill Russell's birthday, uh, they're going to do another tribute game uh, that happens to be against the Grizzlies. So, uh, let's look forward to that cool jersey. I've, I'm actually pretty pumped about that. I was surprised to read that. And we can talk about all the other goodies that we learned about the schedule beyond Bill Russell tribute games. So I'm going to run through some things quickly. I'll swing it to people to discuss, but if I say something and you need to just hop in, go for it. The preseason, we've talked about that. It's the beginning of October. The last game is in Montreal against the Raptors, which is interesting. 
Um, then they open against the 76ers on the 18th, obviously at home uh, of October, 18th of October. And then they'll play the 76ers twice in February and once in April. Max, just as an aside, when you watch the Sixers play the Celtics, how, like tell me how your emotions manage themselves or maybe they don't, maybe you're just a mess. No, I, I just root for an outcome. That's what I, you know, it, I've explained this before to people and it's a fair, absolutely fair question. But when you've worked in sports television, your fanness, it doesn't like go away. It just, it's not out in the, in the open. It just like, I, I could, it could be lose, lose for me, but it's, it's a win-win because no matter what happens, the outcome, you know, it's, it's good for me in some way. Um, but you know, it was, it was like a Phillies Red Sox game, probably about, I don't know, 10 or eight or 10 years ago. And I was working, you know, the late show and we we're trying to, you know, we wanted these highlights to be done mm-hmm. before the start of our show so that we didn't have to stay late and redo the show. Um, and it was the first time that I rooted against the Phillies, uh, <laughs> a Philly team. Cause I was like, I, the Phillies were losing. I was like, just lose, man, just be done. I root for the outcome. As long as the game ends, the result doesn't really matter for me in those moments. So the game, I just, uh, I just watch and I enjoy both teams. Um, when Marcus and Joel Embiid fought, it hurt a lot. <laughs> when they pushed each other, that made me incredibly sad. I, I talked to Marcus about that. Um, I have not had a chance to talk to Joel Embiid ever, but uh, it's on my list. Uh, I'll get the story from him as well. But that was the only time where it really upset me because, man, those are my two favorite players in the world. Uh, I don't want them to not like each other. So, but that's pretty much it. I, you know, what I want to have, I don't want, I just want a good game. I want no one to get hurt. I want all the good players to play well. I want my favorite players to do well. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that as someone who used to write um, post-game blurbs, you kind of don't root for a comeback because you've already written two thirds of your story by the third quarter. And if one team falls apart and you have to rewrite everything. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, thank goodness there's 82 games on the calendar. I'm sure NFL writers might feel different, but um, yeah. Well, the, the- really quickly too. One other thing that I always have to point out to people is that what we root for really doesn't matter. It, no, yeah. it has no impact on the game. It's just. Or the coverage for that. Game. Right. It, it's what we like, what we want is irrelevant. Like people try to hold it against me that I'm a six. I'm like, what does it matter? I mean, it just. You should feel bad for me. Like, that's really it. <laughs> I think it adds, it gives me good perspective on covering the Celtics because I see how bad it goes in certain situations on that, you know, with the Sixers. And I can, you know, when Celtics fans want to, you know, slit the throat of a coach because they, you know, lost in the conference finals again instead of making it to the finals, I can say, look, there are so many teams that don't ever even sniff the success that the Celtics have had you know, in the last seven years. So, you know, it helps, I think, with my perspective. There's also a tendency to kind of fetishize journalistic objectivism. And I don't think that it's necessarily good uh, for journalism in general, particularly, but also in sports journalism. I think that the product is improved when you admit your biases uh, to yourself as well as to your audience. And that just means, you know, saying that, hey, these people who I work with on a regular basis, uh, I want them to do well and succeed because then they're happy and the the vibe is better and my job is better and I don't have to write about all like how everyone hates each other and is fighting. Mm -hmm. And it's just, for me, it makes for a better product. Well, I was just gonna say, it's about the audience too, for me. Like people, you know, uh, the only thing that is important and that matters is that people watch our show and and we have to do, you know, we, we have a lot of things that we have to cover in a post-game show or in a pre-game show that are objective facts that need to be talked about. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, like when the players, when it was terrible last year, you know, when Marcus mm-hmm. calling out the Jays, we can't not do that. Um, but at the end of the day, the people that are tuning into a pre-game show and a post-game show are fans of the team. So we're not going to sit here and dunk on the Celtics constantly. So that's why when people, you know, accuse me of, you know, bias because I'm a Sixers fan, I'm like, do you watch the show that I produce. <laughs> I mean, it is like green Kool-Aid for the most part. Uh, so again, and it's to me, and it's different with, with uh, um, we're rights holders uh, and we have, you know, pre and post game shows and the, the game broadcast. We don't have any incentive to be negative. You know, we don't, you know, in yeah. terms like 
overtly negative, like avoid good things just to be negative. Like, you know, talk shows on radio and on TV, they have more of an incentive to just the debate, the argument, let's see both sides. Um, you know, and it's not, you know, we're not being dishonest. It's just, let's not focus and spend 10 minutes on this bad thing when there was a lot of really good things that we can talk about. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is the same way as uh, sometimes we have national coverage and national journalists or people of interest. So we broaden the scope, but presumably people who are listening care about the Celtics. Um, so to that end, sometimes they need to be dunked on. Um, but more often than not, you know, I, mean, I guess we have green colored glasses a little bit. Anyways, back to schedule um, and same, same, but different. Like as someone who grew up in the Boston area and someone who has financial and rooting interests in the Boston Celtics, I was happy to see that they got a Christmas day game. And I'm happy to see it's against Giannis because watching Giannis play basketball is a real treat. So it kind of goes, it's a little bit part and parcel. Like as a fan, it works as a journalist, it works. And just as a basketball fan, it really works. Um, Max ever in doubt that the Celtics were going to a Christmas game and uh, which game on the Christmas slate is your favorite? Cause I've got one that actually isn't Celtics bucks. Uh, well, I, I assume every year that they're going to be on Christmas. To me, it's always just about the timing. It, what game are the, it's, if it's the first game, it sucks. It's such an inconvenience <laughs> for my life because it may be better for the fan, but for me, I have to go in for the post game. Yeah, how, old are, how old are your kids? I have a 10 year old and a six year old. So it really, and we're in like, so you're still doing Santa and everything, right? Yeah. Wheelhouse Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) And there have been years where it's just, I mean, I always end up having, you know, Christmas morning with them and everything like that. Um, This past year I, I was not involved because, you know, my wife and my daughter were in health and safety protocols. And so my other daughter and me, we were all like, it was a a nightmare, but I got to watch uh, that disgusting uh, blown lead to the bucks. And I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to them getting, uh, a little bit of revenge this year on Christmas Day and hopefully a better showing. Uh, we all know that was a bit of a different team on Christmas last year. But, yeah, I, it, I assume that the Celtics are going to play on Christmas. It really is a good sign for your team if you have a Christmas game. I can't remember which year it was. There was a year, I think, in the last five years where they didn't have a Christmas game, and it was a little weird. And it was almost like, yeah, it's better for my life, but it's also like that's not good. You know, you want – it's a balance for, you know – the broadcast because you know you want them to be one of the hot national teams because that means that there's they're we're going to get higher ratings for our normal games but it also means you're going to lose games and you're going to have the christmas games um that may not for your personal life be great but at the end of the day you know like i was saying to you guys before i get to you know watch basketball for my job uh you know we work really hard during the season but this the off season is usually a lot less so we take the good with the bad and as far as the other games i'm trying to think um I'm just really looking forward to seeing the Knicks play. Just kidding. I think it's a joke. I understand the Knicks and the Lakers, no matter how good or bad they are, they always end up uh, on these big national games. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the the Celtics and the Bucks play. I think that was the most stressful series uh, because Giannis is really – I love him. I think he's a great ambassador for the sport. I think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, but it's it really is hard to play him. He's so hard to officiate. I feel like every time he goes to the basket, he's a football player tackling the opponent. <laughs> and it, it just, I don't like, it's just hard to watch. So it's going to be stressful. It's going to be exciting. And thank God it's not a series. It's just one game. Yeah. We're going to do this the way we always do it. But like, even by Christmas, the data isn't like particularly statistically significant. So we drum up all of these storylines and metrics and then, Christmas is as it's as if it's the playoffs, but like really doesn't make a damn difference. Um, that said, I'm so pumped for Grizzlies Warriors. I just like going, going back to like being a fan or not what Steph did in the finals was so cool. And what Ja did as a player where he's at his career did in the postseason was so cool. And um, yeah, Buck Celtics is just going to be a rock fight, but I think Warriors Grizzlies is going to be like ballet mixed with like NASCAR. We gotta also give some love here to Nuggets Suns, which I think is yeah. gonna be an awesome game. I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing Jamal Murray and Jokic back together on the court. I think this Nuggets team could be unbelievably fun if everything works out. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the NBA is in great shape, but it's so fun. 
uh, a few other schedule notes and then we'll, we have some other things to discuss. Um, Celtics got the whole gambit of holidays. They got a new year's day game at Denver. They'll play on MLK day at Charlotte and on Easter, they host the Hawks, which is the last game of the season. Um, so uh, April 9th is Easter for anyone who like in March is like, hmm, when's Easter again? It's April 9th. Uh, they'll play the Lakers in December. They'll play the Heat early in October and then November. And then that's it, which will be interesting. Uh, they get the Warriors in December and then again in January. Um, and then they play the Nets in December and February. But who knows how important those two games are going to be. Um, we'll talk about back-to-backs and travel and all that in a sec. Any game on the calendar that really jumped off the page, I'll just open up to anyone. Um, when the schedule dropped that you thought, oh, that's that's extra spicy. And exactly. That's how important. Well, they're going to play every team, right? I mean, that's that's why yeah. when the schedule comes out, it's kind of just like, cool, these teams that they're going to – it's not like with football. It's like, you know, cool, these teams that we knew they were going to play, they're going to play. Uh, there's uh, – I think it was Himmelsbach who pointed out there's a, a road trip. There's a, a long road trip that, like, goes coast to coast. It's a little bit weird. Um, some back-to-backs, obviously, those matter. Um, but for me, I was just looking at the start of the season. It's pretty soft, dare I say. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that uh, struck me, the, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I want the Celtics to smash like they were doing last yeah. year, bad teams. Like, whoo! Uh, and, you know, there's always one team in the beginning of the season that that's bad, that plays good, like the Wizards last year. I feel like the, the Magic yeah. do it every couple of years. They win, like, seven of their first ten. And it's like, oh, the Magic! Yeah. And then they just fall back to earth. So maybe the Celtics will get caught by one of those teams, but... I just think uh, if they can sort of take that same same mindset that they sort of built up last year where it's we're going to see a, a bad opponent and instead of playing down to them, like almost every other team does, we're going to just rip their throats out. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> you guys. It's so enjoyable to just see them smash teams. And I hope they do that. And I get, get all the net ratings and the, you know, defensive ratings, all that stuff, just pad that stuff up so that they can just be number one for the whole year. I'm telling you guys, there's going to be an infuriating couple of games against the Detroit Pistons this year. I can feel it in my bones. They're just such a classic, like, oh, the Pistons are rolling at the beginning of the season. And then they, you know, finish as like the 11 seed or something. But I mean, as well, they want, they might. Victor Wambanyana's out there. Uh, okay, so we got 13 back-to-backs, which is a pretty good number, not too high, not too low. Um, we're assuming that uh, Al Horford sits at least, I don't know, 10 of those, if not 13 of those. Um, So that is something, I guess, to keep an eye on, something we talked about a few episodes ago. Um, There's a couple tough ones, like a Nets Raptors back-to-back, a Sixers Raptors back-to-back, and then the one in LA. Um, But overall, they have uh, the 14th most travel, which is pretty average. Um, The 11th fewest back-to-backs, which is in the band of average. They have a pretty average schedule. Um, some I would say measure, the, yeah I would say that the strength of schedule is actually pretty favorable between they've been projected between second and fifth easiest schedule in the league. The, the thing that complicates it is they also tend to have some pretty crappy rest, even with the back to backs being pretty favorable. So mm-hmm. they're going to be traveling um, a lot coming into back to backs and be traveling a lot when their opponents are going to be rested. So that's going to be the, the biggest issue for them. But overall, it's a very favorable schedule by most accounts. And just one other thing to note with regard to the back-to-backs, um, I have been listening to some podcasts and there there seems to be a sense that Al Horford will not be the only Boston Celtic who will be resting on back-to-backs. There's a pretty good chance mm-hmm. that you're going to see Brogdon sit out some of those as well. I would imagine Gallo maybe will also get some. We'll kind of see how he shakes out in the rotation. But um, I think there's a reasonable chance that the Celtics are going to factor in some schedule losses on those back-to-backs with the amount of guys that they're going to be resting. We'll see. Which to that end, they're comfortably 10 or 11 deep right now. If they did a Kevin Durant trade, that changes. And then suddenly the calculus around these back-to-backs looks a little different. Okay. A few more data points. And then I'm going to pick your brains about a few things and we'll be out of here. 37 national TV games. So third most behind the Warriors and the Lakers. Um, Pretty good. <laughs> Just to be honest, that's a pretty good number. Uh, rivalry week is a thing in the NBA. The Celtics will play the Lakers and the Heat. That's uh, the second half of January. Um, 
And yeah, that's kind of it for the highlights. I want to talk about the election thing and a few other things, but Max, anything about the schedule again, that uh, you disagree with that you are excited about anything jump off the page. Well, I'll tell you, um, I think I was just trying to look uh, for this email from my boss. We have uh, like the first half of the season is pretty loaded with NBC sports, Boston games, um, which is good. So the national games are always obviously, like I was saying, it's good that, you know, the Celtics are one of the teams that the national networks desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the brand, obviously, but they also have the, the team. And uh, but it, it also hurts us, you know, to lose these big matchups. I don't we don't get the Warriors. I don't think we get it. We ne- we usually don't get the Lakers um, both games. Um, so we're and I think we just get one of the Sixers games. So that's, you know, it's tough for us as the regional sports network, but we get it. Um, so that, that was really the thing is just, but in the early part of the season, um, they're either simulcasting on the national coverage or, uh, they're exclusive to us. So that's, that's one thing that I liked, uh, to see. And yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Yeah, that's, I hadn't thought about that. Um, Justin, Alex, I want to ask you the same question, but Max, um, tell us about Eddie house being brought into the fold, because I think we're going to see more Eddie house next season. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's phenomenal. He's so nice too. Uh, we're really fortunate, especially him and perk, just incredibly good dudes. Uh, perks a little bit harder, um, to kind of understand when he's going to be on because his schedule with ESPN obviously takes priority. Um, but perk really, he enjoys doing, he wants to do it. Uh, it's not something he's getting dragged into and Eddie's the same way. They're very passionate about it. Um, and Eddie was just such a great, uh, a great addition. And it, it all stemmed from like at the beginning of the pandemic, we, we did these classic games mm-hmm. and you wrap in and out of this, each segment of these games, we had Scal interview some player that was a part of it. So from the eighties, we got like Gerald Henderson and we got Max. Uh, and for some of the 08 games, we got Perk, but we also got Eddie. And just before we started recording, I was just listening to Eddie and Scal, just, just shoot the shit back and forth. And it was really, uh, like man eddie's got great chemistry with scal and uh he's just cool and then he yeah. came in to um need him and and he came to to all the games in the finals he, you know so he wasn't just remote um for a bunch of them and he's just a really cool guy uh he gave me some advice to give my daughter for her shooting uh oh, great send that my <laughs> way <laughs> and she was giving me some flack for you know telling her i put a little paddle on her hand or left her offhand because she kept trying to do the two-hander and she was complaining. And I was like, listen, Eddie House, who won a championship in 2008 with the Celtics, told me to tell you to do this. And she was like, what? Wait, he played for the Celtics? I mean, she's 10, so she doesn't really know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, so he's such a good dude and he's great. Uh, he's got great chemistry with Amina too. So that's always important. And yeah, uh, Eddie, Eddie, I'm not sure how many games, uh, but he's, he's definitely going to be in the mix more than he was last year. Cool. Tremendous. Um, okay. I want to go back to Justin, Alex, because uh, Justin, I know you have some, uh, I don't know how you would categorize it. You have some takes of the schedule. Yeah. So some of the things that I would like to see the mayor to be happening, uh, particularly if you look at the fact that we start this season against the 76ers and we don't play the Golden State Warriors, but we do end up playing uh, the Bucks on Christmas. So what I would like to see in terms of scheduling is for the opener, for them to put the projected one and two seed in the conference against each other. And then the three and four seed against each other, uh, just to kind of, you know, spice up that that may be exactly what's happening. And then with Christmas, that should just be the, the highest playoff matches you can, you can structure because even though, you know, obviously if you have the two finals, going against each other, the, the next one down isn't going to be possible, but then you try to like maybe, you know, assemble both interesting and the highest, the highest level of talent you can assemble, which is again, maybe what's going on. Uh, but besides that, I would also, and this is not my idea, so don't, don't credit me. Uh, I forget who uh, came up with it, but it's a good idea on MLK uh, Memphis and Atlanta because of the connection to the U S civil rights movement should mm-hmm. always have games. It doesn't really matter who they are against. Obviously I like the Celtics to be one of those teams, uh, which brings me to my next complaint, which is that the Celtics are not playing here in Mexico city this year, which I think is just a terrible decision for the league <laughs> based in Mexico city in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't consult 
this specific yeah, group of people definitely. when they design the schedule. Um, Alex, I know that you have something related to to Thanksgiving. Yes, uh, I have a Thanksgiving related thing. Just briefly before I get into that, I am of the opinion that the opener should be against Milwaukee and not Philly. And that is because Giannis Antetokounmpo is top billing in the NBA. And it's silly to me that he is not in one of the opening games. I think it should be Celtics Bucks. That's just my opinion, though. Um, The other thing I have a slight gripe, which is that uh, there's the Celtics don't get a marquee date for either their matchup with the Lakers or their finals rematch with the Golden State Warriors. Folks, the Celtics are going to be, I would argue, pretty locked top two best team in the Eastern Conference this year. And Celtics Lakers is always a classic, as is Celtics Warriors. What are we doing here? Let's get them on a serious, like, marquee date. I don't want to be playing the Hawks on Easter. Give me the Lakers or the Warriors. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to mention about the schedule, and this is actually not a complaint, this is cool, um, is that the Celtics will be playing on Thanksgiving Day, which uh, they're playing the Kings, not like a super sexy matchup, but it's interesting because they will be playing at 8 p.m. Uh, after the Bruins play at 1 p.m., a kind of rare double date at the Garden with the Bruins in the afternoon and Celtics in the evening. I think that's very cool. I think it will be a fun day of Boston sports watching. The only thing that I would add is that please, 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 arena staff, make sure that the court is dry when you lay it down because there are occasionally issues where the water kind of leaks up through the floorboards. That's been a thing in the past. I do not want Jason Tatum to be slipping and falling against the Kings. On Why don't they do it the other way? Why don't they have the Celtics go first? You would think that that Close would be what the they building. would do. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a reason. It's probably science, but at the end of the day, it feels like maybe that should be considered. Plus it'll be colder at night. So the ice will be less likely to melt. There you go. I don't know. Um, okay, uh, Max, we've taken a lot of your time. I'm going to take a little bit more. Um, a serious question, a fun question, and then a question that I'm only half serious about. Um, so the, the NBA is not holding games on Election Day. and I feel like I've seen more coverage outside of sports media than inside of sports media on that. Um, any, any thoughts there? I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement. It's a pretty cool move. Yeah, I think it's a great move. I think it's another uh, another instance where the nba is kind of doing the right thing you know setting setting the sort of standard uh you know their leaders around the world like i've been really getting into f1 this year and uh watching the drive to survive show on netflix and they're when they get into the 2020 with the uh you know with covid coming you know the pandemic and everything you know they have these guys i think it was lewis hamilton saying like oh did you see the nba just canceled you know and yeah. so it kind of was like look the nba did it like we need to stop, you know, we need to pause right now, you know? So to me, uh, the NBA, once again, is taking a leadership role. They're not perfect. Nobody is, but um, I think a move like that is great. And they've been good with the vote, you know, get out the vote initiatives and everything, but it's good too, that it's on a, uh, a midterm year. It's not a, just a presidential election. And I think that it's maybe it can kind of sort of, get the ball rolling to maybe make that a national holiday. God forbid, you know, we want everyone to vote, but uh, Oh, by the way, we're going to make it as hard as possible. So uh, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Pissed off a lot of people in right wing media. So, you know, it's probably a good move. Um, Max, do you have a favorite driver in F1? Yeah. Carlos Sainz Jr. And uh, Ferrari folk. My daughter just came down while I was folding laundry, watching the episode from season one where it's Carlos and Fernando. So she loves both of those drivers and, uh, so we became Ferrari fans, which if cool. you watch F1, you know how difficult that is. But hey, I'm, a <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I love um, I love Danny Ricardo. Um, but so I don't really know how I feel right now. Um, if he's listening, I'm on your team, brother. OK, Max, two more questions. One, now that you've seen the schedule and you've crunched all the numbers, how many wins do the Celtics win next season? And I'll go around the horn on this one. 60. 60 flat. Okay. Justin. Maybe a little conservative with 58. Alex. But the difference, 59. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it. 
Oh, well, actually, what I said last week was make sure you're registered to vote. We have a primary in the state of Massachusetts coming up. Um, I also said last week or the week before the Celtics could win 52 games or 65 games, and I have no idea what it's going to be. Um, I'll take 65. Screw it. Okay. Bad man, I love it. Max, you are um, you and the whole NBC team do great work. You're a real friend on Twitter. Um, and you also get a little buzz because you and your team write, um, is it pronounced Chiron? I don't know how, is that how you say the word, um, because you have cheeky little Chirons. Um, so on your way out the door, write a Chiron for me. Tomorrow morning you wake up and it turns out the Celtics have just signed free agent Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> what Chiron do you use? Uh, I would, I would have to have, and this, I mean, I'd have to, the first thing that comes to mind would just be like, you know, Celtics signed uh, Carmelo. Uh, and then the bottom note would probably be like supply him with 82 hoodies or something like that. So that we get hoodie mellow for all those games, uh, you know, something like that. It's always about, you know, a lot of times I have people looking at me like, what does that even mean? And it's like, <laughs> trust me, people on Twitter will get it. Uh, 95% of, <laughs> of the audience won't, but uh, they won't not watch us because they don't get it. And the people that do get it will love it. So, do you have one that you're particularly proud of? Um, well, honestly, the first one that I ever did. Well, I, the first first one was a Bruins one on a, a, a Felger and Maz little sports news cut in that we had to do, and I hated doing those. It was like me raging against the machine. So I just put one in like Bru. It was like in the off season. It was in the summer. I was like, you know, Bruins colon, you know, haven't lost a game in. 170 days or whatever it was since their last game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that was the first one, but no, my first Celtics one was the Marcus smart uh, Leeds NBA in love and trust or something. No, it was the Leeds NBA in combat muscles and grit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was the first one that got screen grabbed by the, like the part of my take guys and things like that. And that was the first time, like, cause I had always asked, I'd always do them. And I'd ask, you know, my boss, like, Hey, can I do this? Can I do this? Say no, no. Finally, just one day he's like, yes. And I was like, wait, really? We did it. And it ended up being a thing. Cool. Well, yeah, every so often it just like pops up on a meme account and it's fun. And I retweet it every time, especially the ones that say I deserve a race. I'm like, oh, at my boss. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's everyone's homework is to uh, like and subscribe to this podcast. And also to spam the NBC Sports Boston social media that Max deserves a raise. A raise. Um, Max, thanks so much for coming by. Um, thanks for your insight. We didn't really stick to the script, but whatever. It was a lot of fun, and we'll catch you soon, I hope. All right, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next week.